Hey y'all, I'm Tori and welcome to the Ebony Expats podcast, where we're going to explore the journey and stories of different travelers and expats out here killing it, doing their thing abroad and living their best lives, y'all. This interview is with founder of Up In The Air Life, Claire Suarez. And before we get started, I want to chat a little bit about what Up In The Air Life is and what all Claire has accomplished. So Up In The Air Life is a travel company that has integrated connections and bringing people together with luxury and providing high touch, very personalized experiences. What's really amazing about what Claire has started is that she's helping us break down barriers in the travel industry by bringing people of color to luxury spaces across the world. Claire has been recognized for her impact by different publications, including Essence, The Huffington Post, Ebony Magazine, Washington Post, and Airbnb's inaugural Black Travel List. She has a very, very large impact on travel and she's always loved traveling. She's been to close to 60 countries, which is like really amazing y'all because that is a lot of traveling and that's dope that she's been doing that. and. It's, it's just good to see people out here moving around, doing what they do. You know, if you like to travel, find out a way that you can travel and make that a part of your lifestyle. And that's exactly what Claire has done. So she started off as a sales executive in corporate America a few years ago, always providing high touch experiences, very high level customer service. It led her to booking trips and retreats for friends. And eventually she launched Up In The Air Life, which took a bit of her stepping out, breaking the mold and removing herself from what she calls the picket fence mindset in America. So in our interview, we also talk about how moving overseas gives you an opportunity to find yourself again and redefine who you are now that you don't have to live by those same standards that you grew up being taught. Because as we know, there are a lot of things that we believe, that we see, that we've been taught that kind of keep us in a box and we're in our circle, we're in our bubble. And until we break from those barriers and those chains, then we will continue to stay in that same cycle. But something that Claire talked about and that what I really, really resonated with is she really believes in doing what you love, being who you are and living life out loud. She's a firm believer of living each moment to the fullest and creating your best memories with no regrets. And just chatting with her was very uplifting, very motivational. It makes you want to just start doing, being, and living. During our interview, she even had on a shirt that aligned with that message. On her shirt, it said, no excuses, just begin. And I was like, this, like she really embodies everything that she is like putting out. During our chat, she even gives us a brief story about how she decided to just begin, no excuses, and just went ahead and launched her newest venture up in the air, Claire, which goes more into her personal journey, her love for travel, and she'll also be offering coaching. So dope, 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 dope stuff. I'm telling you, she's good vibes, full of inspiration for travelers, expats, anyone out there trying to start a business, monetize their art whatever you're out here doing like just start it you know let's get into it you guys if you have any type of messages or questions that you have for claire or for ebony expats 
As always, send us a voice message on Instagram at Ebony Expats or on Anchor, where you can leave us a message with questions or any type of travel stories that you think would resonate with us that we can discuss in the future on one of our podcasts. Let's get into it, you guys. Well, thank How are you. you. I'm good. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here and like interviewing with me. I'm so excited and I'm really, really inspired by everything you've been doing. You're like sitting here with a shirt that says, no excuses, just begin. I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely what people should be thinking and doing, showing us that. So yeah, so today I just wanted to interview you. Um, I am launching this podcast so that I can inspire mm-hmm. other travelers and expats that look like us to basically start doing their thing. And I am a yes. true believer in the same thing. It's like, just do it. You know what I mean? Like, just do it. So yeah, so just a little bit about me. I moved to Bangkok two years ago. I'm from Houston. My background okay. is in marketing, PR, all that. I was living in Dallas, working at Texas Instruments, doing marketing for them. And then I moved back home to Houston, got into oil and gas. I was like, why did I do that? (laughs) And then I was working on like PR with a friend who has a PR company, Lemon Limelight. And so I started doing like, it was around Super Bowl time when Super Bowl was in Houston. So we were doing events and like all this like red carpet stuff. So I was doing stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I'll move to LA or New York because I really wanted to continue doing that. Um, and then LA wasn't really singing to me. And New York, uh-huh. I really like New York. And if I ever move back, it'll probably be like New York or DC. Uh, but then I was like, okay, I should think outside of the box. So yeah, I am now in Thailand. <laughs> wow. What made you move to Bangkok of all places? Bangkok. Um, so I had always wanted to live in Southeast Asia. I always wanted to have like international experience. So when I was working at Texas Instruments, a lot of our team sits, a lot of the team for that company sits in Southeast Asia. And so I was like, always like, man, I really want to go. Like a lot of our team would go to Shanghai and I was like, okay, I really want to be relocated. And that just never worked out. And so that was one reason. But then I've also had bookmarked this link that talked about the top destinations around the world to dine at. And one of them, mm-hmm. two places actually are in Thailand. One of them is just okay. a cave that overlooks this island. And the second one, you probably have heard of it. I heard about that one. Yeah. I know you probably know it all. <laughs> um, and then the second one is, I think it's called Suniva Resort. And it's up mm-hmm. um, at Kakud Island, which is very, very, very mm-hmm. like, basically your table is like a little tree pod and is lifted up treetop level and you're overlooking this island and then your waiter zip lines to you and so I was like okay like I had bookmarked that for a couple years (laughs) and so I had already bookmarked that like a couple years prior and when I started Mm -hmm. thinking about moving to Southeast Asia I was like didn't I wasn't Thailand something that I had like bookmarked so I went and found this bookmark and then yeah like I just basically researched, honestly, Claire, <laughs> I literally Googled how to move overseas fast. And wow. Yeah. Teaching English was, came up, obviously, you know, you know, teaching English is uh-huh. one of the number one things most people do when they move overseas. And yeah, I got a job doing like a video interview and was uh-huh. like gone within a month and a half. And Holy crap. I know. I know. Um, and then Before I moved, I decided to start a meetup group 
for, I just basically wanted to meet other Black people that were living overseas. Mm -hmm. I just thought I was going to have like three friends. So I started this group. (laughs) (laughs) I started it. And then I also reached out to the education company that I was hired for and asked them to start a Facebook group. So I started a Facebook Mm -hmm. group. So basically, as soon as I like put my luggage down in my Airbnb, took a shower, I was like literally out the door already hitting the ground people yeah and then it just like kept growing so we had events i'm actually celebrating my two-year anniversary living here and also with my meetup group um yes i was like i love doing this like i love connecting people i'm really passionate about traveling i want to inspire other people i love to connect people and so Mm -hmm. i basically just kept kind of growing it and providing resources and information and connections and now we have Ebony Expats, which is kind of what this is growing into. And so now I'm like building all this content around it and figuring out how I can collaborate with other organizations and just kind of keep growing and also helping people who want to travel and explore because there's so many people, but they just don't know right. like that first step, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. that is where I'm at. That is me. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So basically on this episode of this podcast today, we're talking to an expat that is truly inspiring, out here killing it. She has on a shirt right now that says no excuses, just begin, which is like a great message. And I feel like that's kind of like what has helped you get to where you are. So Claire has been recognized by Essence. You've been a part of the Airbnb and Argo Black Travel List, which is like so dope, so amazing. And then you've just launched up in the air, Claire, which is like, I'm like, oh, you ain't stopping. And I love it. Can't stop. Won't stop. Do not stop. Let's keep going. (laughs) So thank you for being here, Claire. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. This is awesome. So talk to me a little bit about Up in the Air, Claire, because I feel like that's what's really exciting. I've been seeing all your live videos. (laughs) Uh, Up in the Air, Claire has been like, I feel like it's like five years in the making. Um, So I started Up in the Air Life in 2013, and I was working my corporate job for a Fortune 500 company for about uh, five years before I actually quit. And so during that time that I was holding down that full-time corporate gig, I couldn't really talk, you know, about up in your life, you know, like outright force and foremost and be like that face of my business, you know, like I really kind of just kind of muted myself so that I can stay under the radar. Um, and so up in the air, Claire, it's about me finally having my own voice. I don't have to worry about my manager wondering like, well, what are you doing with moonlighting and you got mm-hmm. this company and blah, blah, blah. So it's really about me having my own voice, being a speaker. There's so many things that I have to share from, you know, traveling over a million miles, being like a crazy jet set and business traveler to being a really uh, like my friends call me MacGyver. Just being like MacGyver when it comes to travel hacks, when it comes to flying, when it comes to skip lagging, making the most of your travel money and staying at the dope places. So that's really what it's going to be about is me sharing my experiences, my recommendations, There's also going to be a coaching component because I love helping and teaching. Uh So there'll be a coaching component to do private coaching as well as some group coaching uh, that's available. Um, So yeah, it's it's me stepping out, creating an own brand for myself uh, outside of the the up in the air life side, which is more of the trip planning and the creativity and the curation. 
Right, right. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> so I want to touch on one of the things that you mentioned about coaching. And mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer of coaching because having the, the strong people around you who have done it or who are doing it with you is so important. Talk to me a little bit about the coaches that you've had in your life, mentors. I know you just got through working with Morgan. Yes. Yeah, talk to me a little, a little bit about that. Man, so, I mean, one thing I always tell entrepreneurs from day one is, like, invest in yourself. Um, I think one of the challenges, or I would dare to say mistakes that some people make, is that they don't solicit help. I've had coaches from day one. My first 18 months up in your life, I had two amazing coaches, Arielle Lauren and Sheila Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started out in Portable Incomes, which was their uh, coaching program they had at the time. And so through that time from registering a URL to developing products to developing like our business processes, they helped me along the way uh, to really get like a cool product, get a great website. And then throughout that time, it's just been reinventing, reinventing, improving different people. Uh, Whitney Marie, which is one of the founding members of 19th and Park, was critical in helping us update our website, our logo, our marketing material. And so one thing that I've learned throughout this process is like branding is, it's not everything, but it is a lot. Like I feel like in the beginning days, we were like the underdog potentially because we didn't have that branding. We didn't have like that marketing cool front store. But what we did have is we did have, we've always had a quote like following. We've always had great customer service. We've always like met and exceeded customers' expectations majority of the time. And so throughout that time over the years, I feel like at this point now, we're six years in, we're super solid. We've got a a nice website. We've got sexy brochures. Mm -hmm. Um, I look at National Geographic and Abercrombie. Those are like the people that I look at. Um, And so I just wrapped up, like you mentioned, a nine-week program with Morgan DeBaum, who's absolutely the bomb. She's one of the people that I look up to. Um, I actually found out about her from my leak because I follow my leak, my leak stories a lot. Her stories are pretty amazing. I love her stories. They're inspirational. Uh, they have great advice. And they mentioned Morgan being a speaker. And that's how I found out about her. And I had been following her. And so when she was talking about scaling, that was like, ding. Yeah. Because we literally went from like, you know, I think our first year was like $16,000 in revenue to last year was almost $1.5 million. Wow. And so the growth over the last six years has been exponential. And for a small business, the hardest thing, especially as a black owned business mm-hmm. is funding. Like, and that's something like, that's like, oh, it's like near and dear to my heart. Talk about it. Cause like, we don't get the funding that other people get. Mm-hmm. So when we're trying to grow our businesses, if you all of a sudden like strike gold, you're struggling because you don't know how to like actually render these orders. Like, how do you get these orders delivered? How do you actually execute these things when you don't have funding to hire a full-time person, funding to hire like a full-time office person? And really, you know, what I learned in Morgan's course is how to move from founder to CEO. Huge difference. Like at that founder level, I'm dibbling and dabbling and everything. I'm writing newsletters. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And in CEO, it's really about finding the right people on my course team. And then leading that team and making sure I'm overseeing. So spending a lot of time, more time on the details, the metrics, where we are, and really setting that cadence so everyone who's on that team with me knows where we're going. And so that's been like my transformation. And I see the huge differences mostly in my performance. Like at our last event, we did a co-hosted event with Kiss and Grind in Mexico. Five days, and it's just such a great collaboration because Victor 
uh, Duplay is like a creative genius. And so the musical inspiration and the cultural influences that he planned, and then that partnered with like up in your life, my attention to detail and that customer experience, that customer service really just made a slam dunk event. And because I was more on the CEO level, I knew exactly what should happen from the moment people got picked up. VIPs had snacks in the car. They had drinks in the car. You walk in the hotel. Everyone got greeted. There was like certain things that happened. And so at founder level, I was busy doing. Doing all exactly. And as CEO, I was definitely in better position to chart what needed to happen and really assign that out. But also it goes to like the dope team I have that is able to execute. Yes, that is very, very key. I really (laughs) agree with that. So you talk a a lot about some things that I want to talk about, customer service, collaborations, Mm -hmm. and having a strong team. So in the beginning, when, how many people did you start off with? Uh, So I started, so I, I solely own Up in the Air Life and I started with one other person um, who's one of my best friends, Rashid Dennis, who was also recognized uh, in the Airbnb uh-huh. portfolio. Um, he's our director of lifestyle. Uh, you know, I met him during travel, during traveling. And so we have been planning things in the travel community. Like we plan like a weekend in Paris to see Beyonce, to see Jay-Z, watch the throne. And so we have been doing things organically. And then I had started up in the air life because of Croatia Yacht Week. Uh, I started to plan a trip to Yacht Week. And so I started with two people and then that grew. I think the next, the next year we had three or four. And then I hired like 20 people. I had this crazy idea to develop an event program. And so, you know, my background in sales. And so I was thinking of, okay, I need a field team in sales terms that can connect with people locally and introduce them to the local things that are part of this up in your life lifestyle. Like one thing I've been thinking about lately is up in your life is not just about travel. Like it's about a lifestyle, lifestyle filled with uh, fulfilling your dreams. Yes. Being involved and being aware of cultural influences, being able to go to the uh, Chinese place down the street and get some reflexology on your feet because you understand the benefit that's going to give you. And so not just that travel it's for me, I think morphing into this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, My model is do be live. Like, do be it and live it and so it's hard because I think you know that transition from corporate to expat like definitely on my corporate it was like I was showing up for everybody else going to meetings it was meeting after meeting but I didn't really feel like at a certain point in my career I felt very unfulfilled unappreciated Mm -hmm. and so when I moved over to be an entrepreneur it is about like doing things that doing more things that make me happy One thing I think as an expat that you learn is that I feel like I have better friendships because I have more time. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, like going to work and working these long hours and just tired and don't have time. Like I feel like in the expat community, people have more time because they work less a lot of times, but they have more flexibility. So I see my friends like every day or every other day, or several times a week, and that would never happen in the States. You're too tired, you live too far away. Mm -hmm. And so the quality of your life, of doing, um, one common thing I hear from Exi is they always like to do something new. Like for me, that's my thing. I like to eat at a new restaurant, walk down a new street, just do something. And then just being, being in that space of gratitude, being in that space of happiness. I think the hardest thing is like growing up as an American citizen, they have this life that they tell you with a picket fence and get married and do all these things and work until you're 60. 
And when you break that mold, it's a very uncomfortable place. When I quit my job last year, there was a strain with my parents where they're kind of like, what are you doing? Like, you have a good job. But I really was unhappy. And so for me, like being an expat and separating yourself from everything you've taught and almost breaking those chains, it's finding yourself again. Mm -hmm. Uh, because when is the last time you took time out for yourself? Like for me, not working anymore, you know, a full-time job. I hadn't had three weeks off since like college, right? maybe since my freshman year of college. So it's definitely like, okay, wait, like, what do I really want to do? Who am I? And Mm -hmm. I'm defined by, I'm the girl that goes in the sales meeting. I'm giving the product demos. And so I am getting joy because they told me I did a good demo. But then when you're not that person and that's not who you are anymore, it's redefining who you are and figuring out who you are. I agree with that. Yep. I agree (laughs) with that. And that's when you find the beauty because when I moved here, I went that in through that entire experience. And I was like, oh my goodness, life is so beautiful. And all I was doing was (laughs) being a teacher teaching English, hot Thailand in an apartment that was not that great, but it was like, I loved life because I was exploring. I was seeing something new every day, new culture, new language, hopping over to an island for very cheap, or even like going to like another country. I've been to Vietnam, Indonesia, and it's just like, that is not what we're doing in America. You know what I mean? Like we're in the same box doing the same thing, the same routine, hating our job every day, chatting with the same friends who are not doing anything. They're still doing the same thing, complaining about the same stuff every day. (laughs) And it's just like, why? Like that is not the only thing in life. And most people don't kind of don't realize that, you know? So I think that's really important. It's like do, be, and live. Like you, they just do it and then go and be whoever you want to be. And like start living. Like I really love that. Oh, I love that. You talked about customer service, which is still kind of like about your hustle, your Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Do you feel like you learned that as a sales exec in your corporate role? Like (laughs) what what about you or like what about your experience or your past has really gave you that eye? So definitely everything in my life from my you know, corporate experience, it absolutely prepared me for this moment. Mm-hmm. This moment of building a business from learning how to lead a team, learning how to build a team, cultivate a team, feed the team, get them excited. I learned all that by working on a sales team, working in sales. You know, all those years, I worked over a decade in sales. And so using those uh, things that I've learned to really build up my team And, you know, I used to host team retreats where we would just spend like three days in a destination and I would really pour into them and teach them. And we have incentives, incentive trips for referrals, where if you have referrals, you get to go on this like vacation. We went to Bali last year. Um, And so everything that I've done customer service wise, I used to be an account manager. Mm -hmm. I used to manage our government accounts. So learning how to talk to people, learning how to treat people, learning how to anticipate their needs. Yeah. Um, those things are huge. I mean, customer service and being available is, is like a big part of the business. Like, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, well, I tried to call someone and like, I, I go to their website. I don't hear from them for days. Mm-hmm. Or like on our website, we have chat. And so there's an expense for all these things, but it's so worth it. When clients get a response back within hours, they're like super happy, especially if we respond by the way. They're like, ah! <laughs> like hey. yeah, like, hey, girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, hey, that's that's really good. That's really important. How did you come yeah. up with the title Up in the Air Life? You know what? A friend of mine, uh, Monique Willis, she was the one, she said something about like up in the air Claire one day. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And so I actually started out with a blog. And so my friend Lovey, it's funny, I was hanging out with her this weekend and like mm-hmm. everything was like came full circle. When I launched my site, like she helped me create my first blog like years ago, uh-huh. like probably more than, gosh, I think it was maybe seven years ago. We created my first blog up in the airclair.com. And so it's crazy now to actually like have a full fledged website. That's more than just a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really dope. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that kind of brings me to collaboration too. So Talk about mm-hmm. some of the important collaborations that you feel have helped you, whether it's just been at work, your past mm-hmm. job, or up in the air life, and yeah. how do you go about finding those? Uh, okay, so we have a couple of collaborations that we have now. Um, uh, one of the ones was Kiss and Grind that we talked about, and then we also have a collaboration, uh, well, not necessarily a collaboration, but with the Black Bourbon Society, we have a partnership. So... Um, I'll talk about Kiss and Grind first because that just happened. So I actually went to my first Kiss and Grind last year during All-Star Weekend. And after going to the event, like, I loved it so much. Like, I went up to Victor at the event. Someone introduced me. And I was just like, hey, like, my name is Claire. And I love what you're doing. And I got this dope travel company. And you need to take this, like, trip to Mexico International. And we exchanged information. And then a year later, like we produced this amazing event. So it was a collaboration from the beginning, bringing together like the musical vibes, his ideas to have like a retreat style format. So it's not like your typical music festival. It's more of an experience in that region to connect with mind culture. Like we started out breakfast the first day with a speaker to talk about mind culture. We served Mayan food of that region. And we also had uh, Deborah Draper come in the second morning and she talked about your branding of yourself and pushing yeah. yourself and having a tight circle. And so it was more than just like partying and drinking. It was about connecting with amazing people, mm-hmm. also learning more about yourself and figuring out like what you're going to do, you know, after this to push yourself. Black Bourbon Society, we started out and we did collaborate, we did collaborate on their first trip to Louisville. And now they're our partner where we support them from a customer operations standpoint, where we host their trips on our website, we handle all customer service, uh, and I work with Samara to support her in any way that she needs for her event. So I see collaborations for me. It's a good opportunity to work with other businesses, and I really enjoy being able to work with other Black businesses, especially because my clients are predominantly people of color. Mm-hmm. And so to work with those businesses that need to launch some type of travel event, that's what we do. That's what we're good at. So being able to support them, expand their business operations. And of course it expands ours as well because it brings awareness to our brand and also allows both everybody to eat. Yep. So yep. Um, I, I like securing the bag for myself, <laughs> securing it with other people. And I think partnerships and collaborations, like for me, like from what I learned from my sales career, it's really the way to expand and grow. Yes, I agree with that. Everything yourself. Okay, so you talked a little bit about how up in the air life has your main ta- your main audience has been people of color. So was that your goal, your plan? How did that kind of happen? <laughs> I think it happened naturally because I was connected with the Black travel community. 
um, which is all people of color. And so when I launched, the people that were in my network were mostly people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it evolved like that. I think it also evolved because it doesn't exist. There's not a lot of brands, I would say, for people of color that are talking about luxury mm-hmm. or these unique experiences that we're putting out there. Um, and so one of the things that's been important to me is since I was at a Fortune 500 company at this major sales division, I was able to experience these amazing vacations and uh, experiences, but I would never see anyone that looked like me. Mm. And so when I started up in the airline, there was just a lot of budget travel, budget travel. And it, and so at some point it would frustrate me because I felt like I was in a good position in my career. Like I had money to spend. I wanted to do something a little bit more than just stay at a hostel. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with being at a hostel, but I also realized that's not what everybody wants. No. And so to be able to create these crazy experiences and people who enjoy going to high tea or want to stay at the St. Regis with a butler, like, we got you. Mm-hmm. Like, we got you. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it is it goes back to, like, the branding, knowing who you're speaking to, knowing what you're offering. It's like, it's okay if you do not cater to the budget travelers who want to be in a hostel because there are so many other brands, bloggers, bloggers who can resonate with them, you know? And I think that's the kind of thing that people should think of, remember is like, find your lane and stay in your lane. And I actually just saw something on Instagram where this whole idea of being jealous or not feeling like we can have a piece of the pie is like, we're still in this mindset, especially as black Americans, that there's not enough out there to get when there is, there's so much, there's so many people out there, so many people who are thinking like us that are like us. And even if it's like a very small pie, it's like, it's, a lot anything that you want you can have and it's like you don't have to put yourself in the box you don't have to keep thinking about this stuff that we've we've been taught to think like no Mm -hmm. like no I hear you I hear you I mean I think a lot of people out here like they're like insecure or they feel some kind of way about every business that's maybe in their lane and I think like congratulate people big up trust me there's like 40 plus billion dollars of spend for people of color like we all got enough trust me trust me trust me like there is enough and I think if you do your job right you can have a piece of that pie and like you said like stay in your lane create unique offerings create things that people want to buy and speaking of staying in your lane what's interesting is so our core product is a luxury product we are releasing some lower tier products that we're calling Lux Reducts and another concept that I've been working on um as well called crew trips which I haven't announced yet so you're getting kind of the preview and so what I want to do I don't want to do budget type trips but I definitely want to do trips that are even at a lower price point that don't include as much like our typical trip includes gourmet dining dinners cooking classes a lot of high-end stuff you're staying at one of the best hotels St. Regis or some type of five-star experience and so what we want to do in our Lux Redux is places that are more inexpensive but have a high quality like thailand's a good example you could stay at like a nice hotel like an a-lot and spend way less than what we're what we're paying and so for those places where you're not sacrificing luxury in the form of the experience or luxury in the form of having you know like a really nice four-star experience we're looking at creating those experience for those regions and then crew trips, that is a concept that I have been, is in all my mind for weeks. So this is the first time I've actually probably talked about it. 
the cruise ships is a concept that we're going to stay in amazing places. So it's all the houses that I think are super, super dope. We're going to have like intimate trips uh, for the crew and stay at those places and have more of a floating itinerary that we're going to hang out in this house. It's going to be super inexpensive because we might be, because we're going to be staying at a luxury house, but we're not going to include necessarily all the things we would include on a regular trip. So it allows people to go in an intimate setting with a smaller group, but places like, for me, I like checking the box. Like I want to go stay in that airplane hotel. Nice. I want to go stay in a tree house or I want to stay in the mother, the shoe hotel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I want to go stay in the ice hotel. So those people that want to do those really unique things for a weekend, like that would be like a really dope crew trip. That sounds really, really dope. <laughs> That's really dope. And what's really awesome is that like, I can hear that you just enjoy it. Like you enjoy going on trips, you enjoy connecting people, bringing people mm-hmm. along. And like you like you said, you want to check off your box, you know, and you're, you're mm-hmm. getting to do that. So that is really beautiful. Thinking about the local communities when you do go travel overseas, mm-hmm. um, what has your experience been as a Black woman when you're traveling overseas? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think overall, it's been uh, good. It's been, I've had good experiences, pleasant experiences. I have to say that I don't have the same uh, concern feeling like uptight when I'm traveling uh, abroad like I do in the States. Like in the States, if I get pulled over, I'm super, super nervous. I have like massive anxiety. I got pulled over the other day in Mexico, wasn't nervous at all. Mm -hmm. Was going through my glove compartment, getting my stuff out, like going through my purse. I would never do that in the U.S. because I have a fear that I might get shot or something. Yeah. Um, and so as far as experiencing the local people, I feel like it's been very welcoming. Like usually people tend to be curious. Like in China, they're very curious. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people may take pictures of you, um, but I've learned to embrace that. And usually if they try to take a picture, I'll tell, ask them if they want to take a selfie. And that usually shocks them because usually people are like, ew, like stop. Or, you know, like, uh-huh. Don't do uh-huh. like but trying to just embrace it. Like, hey, you want to take a selfie? Yeah, taking a video of them to be funny too. Like, hey, like I just saw you for the first time. Right. Um, other places like Italy, I feel like you know we may be a, a bit sexualized, which is interesting. So some places I think black women are definitely sexualized, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, like I haven't had negative experiences. Only in one place, and that was in Madrid, did I have like a racist experience where they said the restaurant was closed and they clearly were sitting people after us. Wow. Um, but yeah. other than that, like, I feel like abroad, like being a black person, um, and more specifically as a black American, I feel like you're like a cool person in the room. Mm-hmm. Like you meet people, they want to talk to you. They're like, oh, like what brings you here? Mm-hmm. Especially because many places you might be the only person they see. Even when I've gone to like Kenya and Uganda and I stayed at these luxury safari camps, sometimes they're like, we've only seen like a handful of black people like ever, black Americans. Right. So I wow. find that in these, lu- and I'll be specific, in these luxury spaces. Yeah. So in the luxury spaces, like, they don't see us necessarily often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very nice to be the first. And, you know, I'm a curious person. I like exploration. Um, so I think it's always just like a treat to go somewhere and you get to, you know, dispel some things they may have seen on TV about what Black people do, what Black people eat. Yes, yes, exactly. How we act, you know, what we wear. You know, mm-hmm. I, I find it to be beautiful. Um, I describe it as an opportunity because it's like you're 
learning about a new culture. And so like as a whole, we're improving ourselves because we're educating ourselves, but then we're also educating the rest of the world about who we are as a community, you know, because people really don't know. And sometimes it really is just like when I first moved here, the staring and stuff, I was just like, okay, well, hey, I feel like like I'm just walking down the street looking, you know, like y'all looking at me. That's cute. Like I'm in like Exactly. Like Beyonce, you know, because it's like they're going to look and to, you know, I always tell people don't let it in affect <laughs> your experience. Like they're just curious. They're literally just curious. They, they haven't right. seen anyone that looks like us and then we start talking and they're like oh okay you know like that that's just like oh america america yes and Mm -hmm. i think that's okay like we just need to embrace it and see it as an opportunity (laughs) (laughs) um so when you're traveling do you get to connect with the local black expat community in these Mm -hmm. areas yes so lately i try more than i have in the past i don't think in the past I didn't know they had all these necessarily like black expat Facebook groups like they do today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the past, like if I knew somebody through a travel group, I would hit up, like I was going to Kuwait and I was in a travel group at the time. And I'm like, Hey, is anybody in Kuwait? Or I looked at the doc to see who was in Kuwait. And then I met up with my homeboy, James, he's a fan from the airport. So I try to connect as much as I can where I'm going. Um, If I'm working, it's just a little bit more challenging these days. Uh, Like, the last two months been on the road, 10 different countries, Kenya, Uganda, Singapore, uh, all these different places. And so when I'm working and I have a site visit, like I don't really have time to hang out. Yeah. Like, and if I do, it's like one free night that I'm usually ready to go to a local place, have some great wine and then like crash and go to Exactly. Bed. Knock out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like now, um, it's definitely a priority. Like I'm in the Bangkok, uh, both Bangkok, the Chiang Mai group. I'm really excited. I'm heading up to Chiang Mai for the Lantern Festival with my girls. So super excited to hit that up and, uh, explore more of Thailand. Thailand is one of my favorite countries. I've spent the most time in Thailand, probably about 12 weeks total. Wow. Um, in, in visiting them over the last eight ye- eight years. And so it's near and dear to my ha- heart outside of Italy. Uh, but I think as I've traveled and more and more, I'm almost at 60 countries. There's just so much I want to see. And so I love repeats, though. I'm not on that, you know, can't repeat. But um, I just am in the final stages. I'm planning Buenos Aires uh, for later on this month. So I'm super excited. It's a new country, but we're excited because um, I'll get to spend now, like I used to do like three days, three days, four days. Now, like getting to spend like six days in a place is like, it warms my heart yeah. to not have to rush yeah. to meet up with some local people and to be able to just kind of be in that area in that space, which you can't get when you're just like there for a weekend. You hit all your check, 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 check the boxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it sounds like you're always traveling. You're always on the go. How does your environment kind of affect your hustle? Do you prefer like a, an office space? Is your happy place just wherever you are in the moment? How, how does that work for you? <laughs> well, after being on the road for two months and just getting back to Mexico where I have a place here, I realized it was really, really hard for me to keep a schedule. So my normal schedules, I work out every day in some form of fashion. It may be like, you know, I try to burn, you know, my motto is 250 calories every morning to kick off my day. So I burn throughout the day, but I try to stay healthy. I try to eat as lean as possible, low fat, except when I'm out at restaurants and I just have to try all the wines mm-hmm. and the champagnes and the food, the fatty foods. 
but I really try to live a healthy lifestyle and work out. But when I travel, I'm finding when I'm rushing from place to place or meeting to meeting, it's almost impossible. It's extremely difficult. And so I've been changing my travel style to slow down. So when I get to a place, you know, I would get there two days early. So I have time to rest, have time to work out and get back. So, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing with staying on a schedule. Like when I travel, is just being able to, you know, assimilate in that, in that area, yeah. uh, meet people, hit the gym. So, yeah, I mean, working remote is so interesting. Like in Mexico, I work from my table, my kitchen table sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I feel like I'm more productive when I go to a workspace. So a lot of times when I'm abroad, like I had like faces, I think it's easier to print, set up and have space to work. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I'm just working at a coffee shop or in my hotel room or on my phone, which is a big thing. Yes, it is. It is. Thank goodness for technology, though. You know, yes, it, yes, that kind of yes. goes back to what you were saying about how in the beginning you were just looking through like lists, like who lives where. And now it's like there's mm-hmm. Facebook groups, there's travel groups, there's apps and all these things. How have you seen a change in the travel industry over the past few years? What have you seen? Oh, wow. Um, I think the big changes is these peer-to-peer services, like you've got Airbnb, you've got Uber, you've got Toro. So a big change in what I feel is that the cost barrier to entry to travel has gone down significantly on the airline side. You know, you used to have Wow Airways, which was making it very cheap to get over to Europe. But you've got a lot of low-cost carriers that are actually playing into making it more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the different sites posting all the different travel deals, like Secret Secret Flyer and some of the other last-minute deals. So I feel like often you can pretty much go almost anywhere less than $600 if you do like a flight deal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's really opened things up. The travel communities are connecting people. So if you're a person of color, you can go into a travel community. You can find someone that's went to Thailand. You can find somebody who's been over to Italy, someone who's been over to the Middle East that lives in Saudi Arabia. Like, you didn't have access to that before. And I think Instagram is also changing the game, yeah. too, because when I go to these black travel places and I see these people all over and I see people up in Kenya or up in Lamu, I'm like, oh, that looks like that. Like, where do I get signed up for that? Right, right. So, Exactly. It's just the accessibility and the internet is really connecting people and making it so that, okay, I feel I could go here because I met you online. And so I'm going to Bangkok now for a weekend and maybe I'll stay longer. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that is very true. And that is the beauty of being able to connect. And so where do you see the travel industry going in like the next few years? What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I think... So for the U.S., it's interesting. I'm kind of stumped there. So we pretty much reduced ourselves down to three major airlines, Delta, United, and American, Mm -hmm. with the low-cost carriers. Um, I think in the future that we should be seeing some of these low-cost carriers like Spirit, like Frontier. We should see them start to go on in in the – they are on the international space, but more international long calls. Like So when you look at – I believe it was uh, Southwest, Um, And their method where they use the same type of plane and they were able to swap out. That's how they were able to scale and expand the organization. And so if you think about that concept, if they start flying over to maybe London or Paris, somewhere centrally and just pick one place in Europe, one place in China, Mm -hmm. I think that would really change the game because it could be affordable. And, you know, if you can get over to London or Paris 
you basically can fly EasyJet, which is a low cost carrier all around for like less than a hundred dollars per flight. Right. Which is <laughs> so awesome because then you go back home and it's like, I've spent like $500 to go somewhere like domestic. And I'm just like, that is insane when I spent less than that to come all the way to Thailand. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. So crazy. So I, I hope the prices go down, but I think awareness, um, you know, I just feel like the travel industry is really a space that can be disrupted even more because there's so many in antiquated systems in place, but I definitely feel like Airbnb has opened the door for things. Um, it'll be interesting to see other new players come, come into play. You know, we've got the hotels already. The hotels now are launching their own version of Airbnb. You saw Marriott opened up their own version of Airbnb through luxury houses that they're doing now that are Marriott houses, which I think that was like a curveball. I was like, wait, what? Right, right. I know. Back in, you know, goes well. Back. I mean, they they're gonna have to step it up because I mean, even now, like if you go to Booking dot com, like they are listing the Airbnb properties now on their website mm. or housing. They're listing housing properties on their website, and then on Airbnb, Airbnb is also listing boutique hotel rooms on their thing. So everyone's starting to aggregate all the data and put it in one place so that they can sell it by any means necessary. Yeah, exactly. Especially because different type of travelers come and they want, you know, you like we said earlier, some people want a hostel. Some people are going to be looking for like, okay, I want to rent a whole house. And so you need to just be able to kind of serve that different type of traveler. We've been talking about Claire's journey. We've talked about breaking the chains. We talked a little bit about the travel industry and different types of travel. So now I want to ask you, what type of traveler are you? Drop a note about the type of travel that you like to experience, any questions you have, or anything that you want to share with other Ebony expats, whether it's a travel story or a motivational message. Because we're a community, we are Ebony expats living across the world, or travelers who are, at the end of the day, we are still a community, no matter where we are in the world. Leave your message for other Ebony expats, leave your questions. We can help answer your questions. We want to help get advice from other Ebony expats. Maybe we can share it on our Instagram. We'll share it on our uh, podcast in the future. And let's just keep on motivating each other, you guys. Don't give up. Do what you want to do. Don't forget to, like Claire has been talking about, do, be, and live. And if you are worried about what other people are thinking, what the naysayers are going to say, stop worrying about it. At the end of the podcast, Claire drops her own little nuggets about how to handle haters, the naysayers, and she gives us little nuggets for entrepreneurs. So if you are a creative, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a leader in what you're doing at work, if you are just a boss that is out here getting it, these little nuggets that Claire drops are definitely going to be a good way for you to remember to always put your best foot forward. All right, so let's get back into it. Yeah, so this has been really inspiring. You're, you're really great. I love your motto, do be live. Um, you know, so as you've been growing, I'm pretty sure that you get haters. You get people are like, what are you doing? You know, like you said in the beginning, people were kind of like, okay, we want hostels. Like, why are you trying to do the luxury style? Um, so how do you, what do you say to the haters and how do you keep yourself going? Oh, wow. That's a good question. So 
as far as like haters, you know, my model to my team is always to stay above the fray. Um, Michelle Obama talks about stay high, like don't go low. When they go low, go high. And so for me, like you will get haters. Like I, I have gotten some really mean emails that people throw some really nasty things to me personally. Mm. Um, and so it's interesting, but I've learned not to let that shake me because at the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, you are going to put your best foot forward in most cases. You're going to try things, but you know what? You are going to fail. Yeah. And often you fail, but you pick yourself right back up. You make it right as much as you can and you grow and you keep going through this process. And so people oftentimes may criticize you for what you're doing. They may say, you know, whatever. They're going to have a criticism of what you're doing. Oh, it's wrong. It's this. I mean, they do, they do it with everyone. But I think for me is to remember you're an innovator. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things you're doing yeah, it may bust the system. People may say, oh, I don't want to do that. But if you read like the book about Blue Ocean Strategy, it talks about defining that lane when your customers don't really know what they want. I mean, they know what they want, but when you're creating something new, people don't know until they experience it. So I think staying solid and staying above the fray, I don't worry about haters or people. I can't say I have a lot of people to my face that are saying nasty things, but I have gotten some emails that made me cry before and I just kind of let it go. I mean, at this point now, like, um, I used to be like hurt by criticism or if someone said something personal now, like I'm not like up in your life is a company. It's not just Claire. Mm -hmm. And you know, we try our best to do the right thing. And sometimes we will make a mistake. But my one thing I stand behind is if we make a mistake, like we will do our best to make it right. Right. And that's where integrity comes to play and having integrity with our clients. And so what I say is don't waste your time worrying about haters because for most people that are going to give you this extreme amount of criticism, I wonder like what have they ever started and created in their life and seen to fruition? Mm -hmm. Because if you're creating any type of business, you are going to make mistakes. Yeah, And it's easy for someone to sit back and be a hater and talk snap about you. But what are they doing? Like, are they creating something? Like, are they investing in other people? Like entrepreneurs have a really, really tough time. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at mental health issues, entrepreneurs have a lot of mental health challenges. They have the highest suicide rates. It's because when you're trying so hard every day, like you wake up thinking about your business as trying to make your life better, trying to breathe life into your team, inspire people. And so I think it's, it's important that when a business, especially a black owned business or female business that, you know, entrepreneur communicate with them and let them know where they fell short, give them the opportunity to make it right, but definitely hold them to a high standard. Absolutely. But also understand if you're creating something, it's hard and it's hard for us to scale. And these aren't excuses. These are real life situations that we have to be responsive to our clients and hold ourselves responsible. Mm. Um, but it is like a, it is a cyclical thing. Don't get funding, like trying to get this, trying to get that, trying to be better, trying to like innovate, do stuff new. So Mm. yeah. Um, shake the haters, shake the haters. Exactly. Shake the haters off. Shake the haters off. Seriously though, seriously. And so on the other side of that, what are some of the things that you, you know, like, let's say you read a bad email or something just is like, Oh my Mm -hmm. God, here we go again. What are the things that you do to motivate you and kind of keep you in the high spirits? Yeah. So, I mean, normally if I get like 
uh, a customer that's unhappy, the first thing for me is to get on the phone. Mm-hmm. I think it's better to get on the phone than trying to like smooth things over via email. I think a phone call is usually like the best way. If you do send an email, just be humble, be gracious, and you know, apologize. Like if you made a mistake, I'm really sorry. Like our new system is having challenges and I thank you so much being gracious. I thank you so much for bringing this to my attention and giving them a reward. Like whether it's a, you know, credit on their account or something small, or, you know, I've sent clients a bottle of wine when I've made mistakes um, or bubbly, but really just being gracious and apologetic and admitting fault. I think just when it comes to like personal relationships, like are you somebody who's going to apologize or do you just constantly make excuses for yourself? Right. And say, well, I only did this because of that. Like, no, like say, you know what? I'm really sorry. We take full responsibility. This is an issue in our system or we lost your email or we didn't respond or what have you. And like, get to it. Yeah. <laughs> fix it. Exactly. And if you can't fix it, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm really sorry I can't fix this. I'm going to issue you a refund or I'm going to do this to resolve this. And I would love to have you as a customer in the future when we're able to do X, Y, Z. But again, this is customer service stuff. Yep, I agree with that. It's really funny because right before I got on this call with you, I see this nasty message from someone who I feel like is trying to be funny, but I'm like, I'm going to take the high road. Thank you for pointing this out. This is what we're going to do to fix it. You can't. You know, one thing I always caution people like, you can't let others' energy like take mm-hmm. you to that place because you have to stay at this higher frequency. Yes. And realize, like, you know, I realize, like, yes, people are upset because you let them down. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. come back and say, you know what? I'm really sorry. When you come back gracious and humble, usually they'll be like, oh, no problem, you yeah. know. Like it happens, but just being gracious and not taking it personal. Don't take anything mm-hmm. personal. How others feel is usually not because of you. Something happened earlier in the day and something that your company did like at two o'clock and they're just pissed off. They were already pissed off. And then when it comes in, it's like the last straw. Right. So they come in with a vengeance via email and they're just like, eh. mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, like, I'm really sorry this happened, you know, or give them a call and hear their voice. When they hear your voice, it's calming and soothing and, you know, you can get them back up to where you are. Right. Exactly. And that, that's the thing, being at a higher frequency. I, girl, I could talk all day with you, but like the <laughs> higher, I feel like, you know, people who are successful and they go out and take these risks and they just do, they do be and live is because like you operate at a higher frequency where you, you have literally trained yourself to Stop believing the other things that we're always taught. Stop letting negative energy affect you. And you literally just realize that you have control over everything in your life and where you go and what you see and what you do. Like seriously. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I love it. This has been great. You've been very motivational. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we end, do you have anything that you want to say to people who are looking to get started with something, looking to quit their thoughts? you know, travel for the first time. Yeah. Oh man. So if you're looking forward to getting started and getting your own business, you know, like my shirt says, like start today, like start today, get your URL, get your social media handles and start creating what your offering is. And I would say, see if you can get help or find other businesses that are doing what you want to do and start to create that model for yourself and start small Mm -hmm. and expand on that. Uh, waiting for everything to be perfect. Listen, it ain't never going to be perfect. 
every day, like I sat on my up in the air Claire website for gosh, it was done last year. And I sat on it. The URL is actually live. Why? Just because like, it's scary sometimes. And then it was never right, never right. And then the other day, my girlfriend was like, writing a blog post to summarize um, our event we had. And she's like, Oh, what link should I give? And I was like, uh, well, I guess she would give my Instagram. And then some said, you know what, give my website. Mm-hmm. She's like, is it ready? I was like, I'll be ready in an hour. I went in an hour, took down the link for the things I'll release later. And I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna release it like this. And then I'll add the other components when I get to it. Yeah. And I just need to kind of break it down in smaller pieces. But, you know, stop living small, like, mm-hmm. you have to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking to travel, definitely just do it. If you're uncomfortable, join a travel group. There's a lot of different black travel groups. If you Google black travel groups, you should, uh, if you Google black travel groups, there's actually a great article by Onika, yep. um, the traveler. And she talks about five groups. We're one of them, but, um, you can go online and Facebook and you can connect with these groups, connect with these people. And I think that's a really good way to get started. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Um, and if anyone wants yeah. to get in contact with you, www.upintheairlife.com, up in the air life yes. on Instagram, and up in the air Claire. So yes. awesome. I'm I excited. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot her a DM. Um, so this has been great. Thank you so much for this, Claire. I appreciate that. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. So inspiring. I really enjoyed every part of that conversation. I feel like I could have talked to Claire all day about doing, being, living, just getting rid of the excuses, breaking the chains, and just starting. You have to start somewhere. So start today, y'all. Start living, start traveling, start building. Do what you want to do. You got this. Thank you again for being here. And as always, if you have a message or any story that you want to share, any inspirational message for other Ebony Expats out there, drop us a voice message at Ebony Expats on Instagram or on the Anchor app. Much love. Keep going. You got this.